Hi, everybody. Welcome to Artifice episode 50. This is a huge day um, for the podcast and for me for a couple of reasons. Um, number one, it's the one year anniversary of the Artifice podcast. Um, I skipped two weeks in December, so episode 50 is is one year. Um, I, I'm so proud. Um, I feel so like just privileged and honored to have met and had like beautiful in-depth conversations with so many artists so many different mediums um I was kind of planning to do like a like an artifice birthday party um but there's like too much stuff going on with my album so I'm gonna wait and maybe maybe I'll do it in the summer um but I want to kind of just you know I don't know like just say something about the fact that it's it's been a year um yeah, gosh, I'm just, thank you all for listening. Um, I don't know. I, I hope, I hope it's done some good. Like I hope there's been some, you know, kind of positivity, um, aside from just what I personally have experienced. Um, and I'm excited for, you know, another year and all, all the new things that can happen. Um, and the other reason that today is really exciting is, um, yesterday in like in real time. So, Yesterday for you guys hearing this will be a different date. But for me, yesterday was the launch of the Indiegogo campaign for my album and all the visual art um, masks. Uh, and it's already 20% funded, which honestly, like, I'm totally overwhelmed. Um, I don't even know. I don't know what to say about it. It feels like I'm so excited. It feels just amazing to know that there are people who were excited about it. Um, there's still like a pretty long way to go. Um, so if you haven't checked it out yet, go and check it out. Um, I am offering so many cool perks. Um, you know, I, I, I wrote a post today on Facebook and, and Instagram about how in our current like day and age, you know, people kind of have the expectation that music should be free. And, you know, in lots of ways, I'm really OK with that. Um, but because that's something I'm just like aware of, I've been really mindful and really careful about creating perks um, that you know, are outside of the music. So, um, you know, like the, the biggest thing that I've kind of been talking about is like the coloring book. Um, I, I can't talk about it enough. Like I've only posted one of the pages. Uh, I, I, um, I might have to post a few more because they're so amazing, but I'm, I'm trying to keep it a secret, you know, for the people who are, are, um, are pre-ordering the, the coloring book. Um, but, you know, that's just that's only that's perk level 20, the coloring book. Um, so there's just uh, there's so much. So just go on Indiegogo and check it out. Or like I mentioned last week, um, if you want to support this podcast, there isn't like a specific avenue to do that. I don't have like a Patreon or anything. But um, as of right now, I'm doing everything with this podcast for free. Um, when I reach out and get um, promo codes for you guys for ads like I'm, I'm just getting promo codes for you guys. I'm not getting paid for those ads. Um, so yeah, I mean, so as of now, like everything that's happening on the podcast is, is for free. So if you want to support this or you want to support my music, um, or you want to pre-order a coloring book or pre-order any of the other awesome perks that I have, um, I would really appreciate it. So the, the campaign's going until April 17th. That's my birthday. I'm going to talk about it until then. Um, okay. I've been talking so much. Um, 
the guest for today is Josh Rossi. Um, I recorded this episode with Josh, like, you know, over a month ago. And then I re-listened to his episode um, last week when I was traveling for the Lionel Hampton Jazz Festival and also for... Um, like a producer meeting that I had in Kansas city. So uh, normally when I'm re-listening to episodes, you know, just kind of taking notes, doing like little edits, um, I'm multitasking, like I'm kind of listening while I'm doing other things, but I was listening to Josh's episode on the airplane and, you know, was total like not distracted at all. And I just really feel great about this episode. Um, Josh is really interesting. I feel like I have a lot of things in common with him in terms of like just how we were raised in thinking about art and business. <coughs> I'm sorry, you guys. I've got like this terrible cold. Is it the coronavirus? I'm pretty sure it's not. But, um, you know, I've been really sick. Um, so Josh is a photographer um, and also just like a savvy business artist. Um and I feel really great about this episode being the one year mark. Um, Josh's bio is written in the first person. And um, I'm going to like try to flip it into the third person as I'm reading it to you guys. So if I have some like weird pauses, that's why. Um, here goes. When Josh was a young boy, he was obsessed with art. He was born in Florence, Italy, where he lived for seven years. When he hit high school, he saw no need to pursue art and dropped it and got into other things. After high school, Josh got an internship with a film production company and started getting more into film. When Josh was 22, he realized that he wasn't satisfied with what he was doing and needed a change. He decided that advertising was a lot more exciting and chose to go to Miami Ad School, and that's where his passion for photography came in. At school, Josh had to rely on his own skills to produce print ads and online media. He had to convey a message, and he didn't want to just snap one shot and be done. He wanted to include a lot of different elements that told a story. That's when Josh started getting into compositing. Josh realized that he could actually create the images that were inside his head. He never thought that was possible before. Josh became literally obsessed with ad photography. He would stay up every night until two or three studying his favorite photographers. He would study every single detail and try to recreate what he saw. It took him a year and a half before he decided to put his style out there to the public. Once he put his work out there for people to see, he got a surprising response. People loved it. Josh dropped his nine to five job and has been working full time doing what he loves ever since. Whenever Josh creates an image, he tries to think of a story behind it. He says, I want my viewer to get into the picture and imagine a whole scenario. What brings Josh joy is when he can inspire others to do bigger and greater things. Currently, Josh is based out of Los Angeles and Puerto Rico, where he specializes in commercial and advertising photography. Okay, you guys, here comes Josh Rossi. Sometimes art feels like magic, pure, visionary. And sometimes it's brought to you in part by focus groups and algorithms. And the makers of art are no different. We're creatives, sure, but we're also salespeople. We need imagination and imitation. We need deep, meaningful connections, but we also have to network. Yep, even if you're an introvert. And that's my point. Balancing vulnerability with veneer is tricky, and it's a struggle we don't often share. So let's share. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. Today's episode of Artifice is brought to you by The Voice Straw. Back in episode 36, I interviewed Justin Timberlake's voice teacher, the amazing Mindy Pack. 
Mindy just launched this incredible new product designed to improve the quality of singing and vocal performance through science and proper technique. The Voice Straw is a vocal training tool for singers, actors, and speakers. It helps relieve tension, strain, breathiness, cracking, and flipping in the voice. Scientifically shown to improve singing technique, a must-have tool for anyone looking for vocal success. Head to www.voicestraw.com and enter promo code ARTIFICE10, that's all caps, A-R-T-I-F-I-C-E-1-0, for 10% off your purchase today. Okay, let's get started. Cool. Great. Um, so I like to start with people at the beginning of their lives and talk with you about what you were like as a creative child. So um, can you tell me, like, you know, what you remember or what you've been told about what you were up to as a little kid in terms of creativity? So what I was told or, like, who I was as a kid? It, like a just creator. what were you doing? Like, what kind of create? what evidence was there that you were, like, doing creative stuff as yeah, a child? I mean, there was a ton of evidence. That's, that's all I ever did was build stuff. So, I mean, I would build airplanes out of like cardboard you know I would buy how to build a personal helicopter sweet when you were like how old it's like 10 maybe what about younger well younger I would always maybe maybe starting at like eight I would I I would draw a lot with pencil and so I draw faces I draw like superheroes and what kind of stuff were like like uh, so do you have siblings yeah uh, just one and where are you in the in the birth order? I'm the oldest. Cool. Me too. Um, I have three youngers, though. So like a little different, but it was just me and my brother for a while. So I maybe had the oldest of two experience for the first 10 years of my life. Um, so was your brother, wait, brother? Sister. Sister. Was your sister doing creative stuff too? Um, or maybe I really just am really. curious, like what your parents, no, like, were your parents encouraging well, that well, stuff? So, so. Okay, so I'm half Italian. We were born in Florence, me and my sister, okay, cool. Italy. And my dad always told me, like, you're you come from a generation of like Renaissance artists and all this. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so he'd always tell me that. And so I grew up thinking that I was an artist. Like, mm. he just put that on me. And so my sister actually, I was more like the visual side of things. My sister was very creative with um, like food. She's actually very visually creative too. Cool. She she likes doing stained glass and stuff like that. Why did you? Why did your dad have this idea that you were an artist? Like, where do you think that came from? Well, I mean, it's just or Italian. It's, it's just Italian pride. It's just sure. saying, you know, you come to America, you want to give your kids something unique, and so you say, like, hey, you come from Florence, you know, the land yeah. of the Renaissance, and so, I, so yeah, I believe. How that. long did you live in Italy? Um, was born there and grew up till I was like seven. Okay. Then I went back for a few years, and then I went back again. Yeah. So in all the people I've interviewed, I think you're the first person who has told me that you were kind of like given this identity as an artist, um, which is so interesting to me because, you know, like we were talking before we started recording, um, I I care a lot about like where this like motivation for creativity comes from. And I think for a lot of people, there's this point where you kind of have to decide like, am I a person who like draws sometimes or like, am I an artist? And that like identity thing is like a really important like moment for a lot of people kind of like owning, like this is more than just like something I do. So can, I mean, can you reflect it all on like, 
what effect you, you think that had on like your, how you gave yourself permission to like be creative? Well, I mean, I, I just thought that I was creative first of all. So he kind of like put that in my head. And then, then after that, I just, he, so I had an uncle or that's not an uncle. It was a family friend, another Italian yeah. uh, from Tuscany. And he, he was actually the original, um, artist for the Black Panther comics. Cool. I just found that out now, which is crazy. Oh, awesome. But I took art lessons from him. So my dad was like, he would have me go do art lessons with him. And then I just do art on my own. And yeah, I mean, I just, I felt like I, I kept going back to the idea that I was born in Italy. You know, I was born in Florence. I had this identity. I don't know why it just like pushed me, but yeah. I think, I think, so my grandma on the other side of my, on my American side, um, she was an artist. So cool. if, the weird thing is I feel like I got the art side from her. Totally. But then it was my dad that had kept like pushing the heritage the and that pride. Heritage. Yeah. Totally. Well, that's, that's really, that's a very interesting insight because like, I, yeah, I mean, I think this, this is like total, this is something I'm totally always on one about with my guests of like the creativity I think is one thing. And then I tend to think that this, like I said before, like this kind of like stubborn, like determination to keep creating is like a separate thing. So that's interesting that you feel like you had those two things like separated by heritage. That's cool. Yeah. I totally had those separated, but then, but then I, so I got into, um, art and then I realized drawing drawing, specifically with pencil. And I realized that there was no money in that. I don't know when I ever thought that, but like that, that's all I remember is when do you think you thought that? Well, I mean, I mean, I was, I was doing it and I was like, what's the point of this? Like what, how am I going to ever make money or do anything with this? It's cool, but I didn't see a point to it. And then I, so I started, I left it for a few years. Then I got into videography. Wait, but like, seriously, how old were you? Like, I mean, uh, give me me a range. Well, so I was like (laughs) 10, 12 and that's when I stopped doing art. And then I got into videography at about 16 with some of my friends. We'd like be break dancing and like all that music videos that's such a how old are you right now yeah 35 yeah i'm 30 i'm almost 32 and that i feel like that's such like a thing of like our generation yeah (laughs) like making music videos i do think that this thought that you're having is like a 10 11 12 year old of like how does this make money is like you a little unique let's talk about it more so uh, first of all i think uh, maybe my first question is like do you know why at that age or like, can you kind of postulate about why you were thinking about like your hobby in connection with money at like such a young age? Well, my dad also told me he, I mean, it's really crazy. Like how this, so, so he's into food. He's like a world-class chef. Like he sells stuff to Costco. So he's all into food and he wanted me to go into the family business of food. But the funny thing was when I was little, he was always leading me into art. And so he always, you know, he told me thing about Florence, but then he told me, um, about two friends. It's such a random thing that stuck with me for years. Two friends, real story that his best friends lived across the street from each other. One of them, um, was an amazing artist. He would just paint like these beautiful images, spend months creating images. Yeah. And the other one across the street, I guess he like thought that that was cool and so but he didn't know how to paint or do anything he was like actually a terrible artist and he would draw faces on plates yeah and he'd go sell them at the market interesting <clears throat> and he told me 10 years later he my dad went back to italy and saw his two friends again and one of them was doing extremely well 
with mm-hmm. like, he was so happy. He was like rich. He had the house he wanted, location, you know, family. He wanted everything. The other one was still poor, creating his art. And, and I actually tell this to people all the time. I'm like, okay, can you guess which one was poor and which one was yeah. rich? Yeah. The rich one was the guy that actually out, was terrible like, at art. Yeah. That marketed himself like crazy. Mm-hmm. And so that stuck with me, I think, ever since I was little. You got like scared of it as no, a child. No, I'm telling you, that's yeah. one of my biggest fears is to be a starving artist. So I have the same thing. Actually, like we, we let's talk about this more, like maybe when we get like up into the point where you start like really making money, because I, I we maybe have that thing in common. Like I'm I spent my like late teens, early 20s, like very motivated by like mm. financial fears. Yeah. So, um, but that's so funny. And again, I'm asking about these things because like, I mean, I'm saying again, but I haven't said this to you. I've just said it on the podcast a million Mm -hmm. times. My listeners might know, but I think it's easy to look at adult artists and assume any manner of things, like any number of things about their childhood Mm. were all different. So you were like this totally conscientious child worried at like age 10 about money. I was like that too. Um, but I, but I, I don't know. I maybe interviewed like one other person who said anything like remotely like that. Um, so I I find it interesting. So you were, you love drawing, but you had this like anecdote of like people who are passionate about their art, but don't have a marketable skill. Yeah. Suffer. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just saw this like suffering and then growing older, I just saw artists suffering yeah you know and the the problem with that is you can't create more art if you're suffering and you're miserable yeah. and i mean it's like it's just this, this view of the starving artist is like terrible to me it's like a literal starving artist mm-hmm. in a dark corner yeah like that has to go do something else do you find this is like totally like i mean it's related but it's not chronological do you find now <clears throat> that um there's also a stigma for a successful artist I mean, I experience that sometimes. I I mean, like financially successful. Yeah, like people think that you're like a hack or something. Yeah, well, I don't know. T- tell me more about what you mean by that. Have you experienced that personally? Like- totally. Um. Well, I think, <clears throat> I, and I've talked about this with several guests. I think sometimes, like your peers and also the public, like your art peers and your creative peers and the public, they kind of want to see you be a starving artist. Like there's something kind of romantic about it, something like a little glamorous about it. It maybe proves that you like eat, sleep, breathe, like you care about it more. I don't agree with that. Um, I, I, you know, I think for me, like this, this conversation we're having about money from in my experience, it's so tied to like my Mormon roots. Um, like, like the way that my family talks about like money is so related to me being an artist and how I am an artist. And I think of it like how you're saying, where it's like, if I want to be able to make the art and have no um, limitations on like what I want to do, I need money first. You know, like that's kind of, it's been a priority for me. Like I do it the opposite way where I feel like a lot of people, like they focus on the art first and hope they'll make money and then get in this like, loop like you're talking about well or like they just never have resources well first of all yes like people do well i don't know if this is the same thing you're saying but they do want you to fail and it's like they like thrive on that because yeah it's relatable mm. you know i mean yeah that, it's like that's that really cinderella story like, thing relatable to them what do you think people. about that like now well i 
I mean, this might sound bad, but I've actually used it to my advantage. So I'd like send an email that said, I'm done. That was the title. It got more clicks than yeah. anything. Yeah. Just, to just like to your of, mailing list. Yeah. Just to yeah. like prove the point. Yeah. Um, which is, which is interesting. It, but I mean, you're I, done with what? Like what? Exactly. People think like, oh, you're done. Like you're leaving photography, you know? Oh but, yeah. Th- but it's there's like a incendiary lot. in yeah. that way. Cause yeah. that's what, that's the message people kind of like sort of want to hear. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Ew. Cause they like relate and they like, like he's done. Like they kind of get some joy out of like somebody failing. Totally. <laughs> so this podcast is called Artifice and I call it that because of like this kind of stuff. Like, you know, is it still art if like the person making it is like savvy? Like, is it still art if the person making it is good at business? Like, I think so. Um, but like, these are things that like have perception issues for people. Um, yeah, I'm so interested in well, it. Like my well, podcast is named for this. Here's, here's, Tell me. here's a crazy idea. So, so like, yeah, is it art if nobody, nobody appreciates it? Number one. So is it art if nobody appreciates it? And then is it art if if everybody appreciates it and it's worth a crap load of money. Yeah. So is it art on both sides or what, what, what do you think the general population would say? Uh, I don't know. What do you, what do you, what do you think? <clears throat> I mean, I talk I, to I, artists I think pe- way people, more than I talk to people the say population. that people would lean towards like the, the artist that's, that's not money. known that doesn't have that. Nobody lo- like seems to appreciate his work. They'd say that that's not really art. They'd say that he needs to work on it, yeah. you know, but the, the one that's like worth a crap load of money. Right. But that's the super interesting part to me is because the the in between on that is not art. There's nothing yeah. in between that that'll take you from yeah. being not noticed to notice that has to do with art. It has to do right. with marketing. Right. You know. Right. So right. that's the majority of the art. Like some some people are just like crazy talented, but then um, a, a picture of like a potato will sell for like two million dollars yeah. like for real <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know if it was like a million two million something like that just yeah saw something recently but you know so is that art and some majority of people be like yeah it's beautiful so i mean the whole idea of art is just so crazy and i had this insane experience today tell me i'm i mentioned this to you earlier so there's this picture that da vinci painted okay. in the 1500s called Sal- salvator mundi and so, I don't know how to do that in American accent. Oh. Salvador Mundi. Yeah, anyway. you can say it in Italian accent. So, Salvatore. That's Italian. Yeah, okay. great. <laughs> anyway, so it's this image that um, just got bought for $450 million at auction. Um, and and I, I, I do some work for this, like, for just for one of my clients. And I found out today that his dad is one of the guys that owned it, like, a few years ago. And, and it was about 10 times less price and he couldn't sell it to anybody oh my gosh like nobody would buy it yeah he actually had to like undercut the price or something um but then a few years later it sells for 450 million bucks and it's the talk of the town yeah so anyway i'm what i'm ha- interested about the in-between yeah. about what do you know about it well i this is what i do know about it is that is that the it, it's all about the connection so for example yeah. um his dad's an art dealer he owned, you know, I'm talking about my client's dad. He's the yeah. art dealer that owned that picture and he couldn't sell it for anything. So finally he had to undercut it. He sold it to some Russian and the Russian was some rich dude that had another rich 
friend that was Russian. So he sold yeah. it to him for like a lot more. And then that Russian, I'm mm. sure, had a ton of connections. Mm-hmm. And he sold it for a lot more. It's but like this perception of like who has it. It's yeah. yeah. That's that's literally art. Like yeah. it's crazy. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I think about this, I think about this stuff all the time. <clears throat> like what is art? How d- does it have to do with approval? Does it have to do with what the artist thinks about it? Does it have to do with what like, you know, experts think about it? I don't know that there's an answer. I just think it's something that like we should be thinking about more. It's um, look, sorry, keep go, going. No, go no, ahead. no, I'm just interested in this topic because yeah. like you're asking that question, like what makes art more valuable? Just to give you an example on a small scale, like if you saw, I, I don't have any visuals here, but <clears throat> so let's just imagine a picture of like a mountain with, or let's say, let's say a cave, a picture of a cave with light coming through on a cave. It looks like it could be taken with an iPhone. So it has no description, nothing. You're looking at that. How much is that worth? Like absolutely nothing. Yeah. You know, you buy it on a stock website, whatever. What if I told you that that image, uh, the light comes through like that only once every 10 years? Yeah. You know, so all of a sudden, just the story behind it, a little sentence behind it. The artist is way more worth a lot more. The image is worth a lot more just with one sentence. Yeah. Is that crazy? It's just like. It is bizarre. And all of that stuff, all of that context is so subjective and it's subject to change. Um, And so I think one of the, I mean, I'm super fascinated by like these kinds of things. Again, like the podcast is called Artifice. It's the whole point. It's the whole point of all of it. Um, But I think like one thought I have is like, how do we, like those of us who are professional artists, like get to a point where we're telling ourselves like, what I'm doing is art and where we feel comfortable, like telling other people what I'm doing is art. I'm so interested in, in like our relationship to like our art and our relationship to our audiences and like vice versa. So let's maybe go back a little bit and like, just get a little bit more information about like your creative skill building years. So you're drawing, then you're like, I can't make money with this. Um, it's just like an adorable thought to have about a 10 year old. Um, but I'm so like with you there. Like I love to sing when I was a little kid. And then I thought like, mm, you can't make a living doing singing. Um, and I always thought I was going to like go to law school or something. And then like things happened and I went to music school. Um, so you started doing video cause you had this thought that like there's money in video, but it's still art. Yeah. What was that like decision like for your well, child it was, it brain, wasn't actually, your like, preteen brain? It wasn't actually that there's money in it, so let's do it. It was more oh. like it's just fun. And it was a new creative outlet, but it's funny because I kept moving from one medium to another and still I'm... You were stuck on art. Yeah, I was still doing really creative, fun stuff. And and I, to me, art is when you're, when you like really appreciate it, when it makes you, it gives you a high you know, yeah. you show it to other people, they like it. I think that has a lot to do with it too, is like uh, social proof, like people actually liking what you sure. do. Sure. Like social proof definitely means something. But then like when we talk about these like famous artists, that social proof is like a hundred years late, you know? So it's totally. just like... But like, it's still social proof. It's like, and then there's some that yeah. were born like 50 years ago and they have just as much social proof. So... I mean, there are people who are like, 12 now yeah they do an image and it's like yeah so I yeah so I moved from medium to medium I did videography and then and I I I was actually getting pretty good at like editing and being creative with the music and everything and then I left for two years and when I came back I that's when I went to Italy for two years then when I came back like I didn't I hadn't practiced so I didn't 
really, I, I was actually kind of crappy at doing yeah. video work. And I was like, man, I thought I was an artist. Yeah. And so yeah. That, that's sort of like a weird switch there for me. And that's when you were like a teenager? Like, no, I was like 20s at that point. Okay. I was 18 or 19 when I left and I was like 21 when I so got back. Can we, you, you went on a mission? Yeah. Okay. Um, so can we talk about like up until the point that you left, how were you, um, how were you conceptualizing yourself? Like h- how, how did you feel in your identity about like this, like art being an artist? Like what did it mean to you? I mean, I, I honestly didn't think about being an artist. I just thought about creating and I just loved creating. So it wasn't, it wasn't this title of I'm an artist. Cause yeah. honestly, like even now, I don't, I don't know if that like means yeah. much to me. I talk to a lot of artists who say that they don't like, I mean, like, being an artist, like that doesn't mean anything. It's yeah. like what you create and like what you, sure. I, I think that anyway, that's tangible. Well, no, you can go, you can go for it. I mean, I, I'm assuming we're on the <clears throat> same page, like words are words are contextual, you know? Um, but I think I just, I'm just trying to get like a snapshot of like what, like being a creative person and like, I mean, maybe like another way to ask it, like how did your friends, like, did you feel like it was part of like your identity? No, Yeah. I'll tell you. So I, so I didn't think about art and creating when I was young, I just loved doing it. And then when I got back, I, um, was trying to think of what could I do. I just got to solve this like itch that I have for creativity. Mm. And so I decided to go to ad school for advertising. Okay. And I went there and I just loved advertising. I was yeah. like, man, advertising is so awesome and so creative, creative. too. Yeah. But the funny thing was, so I went for six months and it was a two-year program. I actually left after six months because I went to one Photoshop class yeah. where they taught me about the pen tool. And literally it changed my life because I did one image and I felt like I had this natural talent above everybody else in that mm-hmm. class. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why, why am I able to just like put things together mm-hmm. like yeah. this and have a match and have them look yeah. good? And that was where it was, it took the step above. It wasn't just fun, yeah. but I was like, I think I have a talent for this. And then. Yeah. And you and, didn't think like that before, even though your dad was like, you're an artist. No, it was just, it was just fun. You know, I mean, I was, I, I look back at my pictures when I was like eight or 10 and I'm like those are amazing yeah. I can't do that today yeah but I realize yeah. a lot of art is is practice totally. you know it's not just like I feel like you have a little advantage at some point from wherever it comes from but then yeah. but then you like literally have to practice it. I mean totally and I also think that you know this little advantage like the more people I talk to I also teach children so like you know I'm getting input from like these young people that I'm around then like I'm talking to all these adult artists. I think sometimes that like little advantage isn't like a an art skill at all. It's just like a resilience. You like it's something totally different. I think like the recipe that allows like this or that person to maintain creativity into adulthood, it's totally unique for each person. Yeah. <clears throat> and for some people it's like I just had really good like um you know, I had perfect pitch or like, like sometimes it's this thing that's like, it's, that's music, you know, like that's like perfect pitch doesn't apply like to visual art. It's like, yeah, you had this thing. It's like, you're a good musician. <clears throat> but I think for so many of us, it's like something else. It's like some other like intangible thing. <clears throat> yeah. Well, a, a, hu- a huge part of being an artist or creating art. I realized this later on was creating emotion and and mm-hmm. literally that's it 
Like yeah. that's, to me, that's art. It doesn't matter what it is. doesn't matter what the cost is. doesn't matter who's appreciating it. If it makes you feel something, then 100% it's art. Yeah. So music, whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, also like food also like, totally. I mean, so it makes you feel something. Yeah. Can you like, just give me an idea? Like when you're, you know, you're, you're 21, 22, like you're in this program, you're having this Photoshop class. What kind of emotional relationship did you have to like art in your life at that time? Like if you're saying now it's like, well, I, I felt, so I went two years on a mission. Is anybody here? Uh, I, so I think a lot of my listeners about. are not from Utah, <laughs> but a lot of my guests are from Utah. So like you can, I mean, God. your life is your life and your yeah, story just, is your story. So. so anyway, I, I think, I think my listeners have listened to enough. I, I've served the Lord for two years. went on a LDS mission got it, got for it. two years. I got it. So, <laughs> so yeah, I went, I went, you know, serving basically for two years and yeah. so no tv no music no like anything yeah you know no thinking about girls you no, don't get like, to dating. have hobbies you can't do You're anything not practicing except, except go out and preach the word you know which was awesome because it built my spirituality and then when i came home i hadn't focused on it for two years and i i really that emotion that i got when i was younger when i was creating art and i felt i, I realized now that it was like I thought that I was actually good at it, you know, not in a cocky way, but that's what kind of made me. It gave you a sense of validation and it. it gave you a sense of purpose. But then when I got back, I didn't have that because I was really terrible at videos right. again. I was like, man, I, I lost two years worth of video mm -hmm. creation and creativity. So got back on the bandwagon, but then I ended up moving into another direction, which was photography. Okay, great. Yeah. So, so can you tell me like at that time, like when you had that, that spark of like, I'm good at, I'm good at like, the pen tool, uh, w what was that emotion like? Like what, what was your emotional state like? Well, it's, then? it sparked again for me, which meant like, oh, I have an advantage on this, you know? Mm. And just, just the fact that like, I look back now, the first image I created and, and I was like, no, I mean, it was crazy. I, like I was matching up lighting shadows, like yeah. things that I had never learned you before just had an instinct. in my, like my eyes were seeing like the shadows correctly and the lines were matching up. And like, if something wasn't matched up, I'd switch it. And like, it was just weird because yeah. it just worked. And so I got this high from that. I was like, I really have something here, yeah. you know? And then I, and then I literally spent the next, I think that was at the beginning when I first got to school, I spent the next like three, four months sitting up till two in the morning, not doing any homework, but yeah. studying advertising photographers and artists yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and learning, you know, how they did their you stuff. You were like enraptured with that. Totally. That's cool. Um, can you tell me, like, do you have thoughts about like what that is? Like where that comes from? Like, do, do you, do you feel like it's innate? Do you feel like, and maybe this is a totally different question, but like, do you think everybody has like something like that? Like some type of a weird little superpower? Totally. And I think whatever you create is, comes from inside of you and I've seen it so much where where the art in music and photo video whatever it reflects like who the person is inside yeah um so that's one thing but then as far as like can does everybody have this thing, I think yeah. I think totally and it's more than art I think it's about creation it's just creating stuff yeah so you know, if you're a mathematician, like you create some crazy equation. I don't know, but yeah. Well, you, I've been builders. Ahead. They like building yeah. stuff, and they see their creation. Yeah. Artists create more colorful things. 
Yeah. Somebody puts numbers together. I've been talking with a lot of my guests recently about like just creative thought. Like I kind of alluded to this when we were getting set up, but like I, I, I think applying that creativity to just like how you interact with people, how you parent, how you like teach, how you are a friend, how you are like a, you know, a spouse, um, that's also that, like, I think some people are like really creative and intuitive in those kinds of ways. Um, I totally agree with you that like, it's about creativity, but this is one reason why I like to ask artists to reflect on like, what did that feel like to you? Like, how did you know you were like missing something? Like, you know, when you had that like itch, like that thing that you said, like, I just started having this like itch, like what, how do you know? Like, what is it? What is it? It's, it's just like? wanting to create something. Yeah. Like, that's it. It's just wanting to yeah. to build something. Yeah. And like, even now, like, if I'm not doing photography, like, I just want to build something. Yeah. And so I, I'm getting into like real estate or something mm -hmm. or like yeah. architecture and, and I just want to build something. And if I'm, if I'm not doing anything, like I'll build a little model. Yeah. I get like that too. Like I, or like, I have, a, I have a requirement for like my well-being to have projects. Like I need projects. They can be like, I can be building things that are like really abstract. I can be building things that are like totally tangible. But like, if I'm not like, if I'm not, you know, at the beginning, middle or end of a project, like I will be unhappy. Yeah. And <laughs> I totally relate to have that. Have you ever done this before where like you create something and it takes forever and then you just throw it away? Uh, you might not have done this. This might no, be extreme, but I like, I don't think I do that. But, but t tell me. No, more. it's 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 a thing. Yeah, it's like. Well, I, I was gonna say I definitely know people who who do that. And it's like, like I created. I would spend like ten hours when I was first starting off. Like I'd create something that was ten hours long and take forever to edit a photo. And, and I just keep putting like lipstick on a pig and thinking like, mm. oh, I can fix it. I can fix it. And then the end, it was just. It was so terrible that nobody's ever seen that picture. I've just deleted it, yeah. thrown it away. I like wipe it clean from my mind. And it's kind of a weird thing because like I've I've avoided here here's what I think makes a good artist too is like when you avoid bad inspiration, like when you mm -hmm. avoid like trash music, trash mm -hmm. images, crap visuals. Like, I mean, how do you tell? Because that stuff's so subjective too. Well, well, I like, mean, just as mean? far as the quality goes, like if yeah. you like I got stuck once where I was just looking at like, I don't even know, like I was on a site like of images looking at like really bad photography, yeah. just like dumb, bad yeah. work. Like that wasn't technically good. Yeah. It didn't inspire me at all. That's that's better probably. Like yeah. it's stuff that didn't inspire me. It was just an image, no emotion in the image, yeah. bad technical quality. I was just reviewing stuff. And and at some point I had to quit that completely. I was yeah. like, I'm not gonna look at that stuff yeah. ever. Like I'm only gonna look at stuff that inspires me. Like you need good, high 10. quality input. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't think I've ever thrown anything away. But as you're talking, I'm wondering if it's because like my medium is like it's not a physical medium. So like when I'm writing like a new song, I mean I think it's very likely that from where I start to where I finish. If it was a physical medium, I would have thrown away. But because well, you can it's scratch not stuff, right? Like, in the moment, right? That's what I'm saying. Like maybe the fact that, like, maybe I, I have thrown entire ideas out, but like because I'm still sitting at the piano in the same session, it's like, yeah, it doesn't end up 
feeling like that. You probably scrap way more stuff than I have. Then, yeah, I scrap yeah, a lot of stuff. You, you just, you just like, you write something you're like that sucks. I don't have it. to delete it, right? Yeah, because it's mine, just like mine. It takes. It's like you take the photo, and it takes so much work to yeah. go take that photo that you're not willing to go take it again. So you try yeah. to like make it better, and then it sure. looks like crap. Well, yeah, I mean, I will say like. I, I maybe have mentioned this on the podcast before, but like when I'm writing, when I'm, when I'm sitting down to have a writing session and like, you know, all musicians do this differently, but like when I do it, I plan like a day. Like I try to have like no distractions for like 12 hours. Um, that's just like, I binge, I binge write. <laughs> um, and for me, like I'll, rec- I make recordings along the way, just like, like little voice memos. And like, I might not ever listen to them again. I only listen to them if I feel like the thing that I was doing before maybe was better. Like I got to a weird place and I need to go back. Um, and I finished writing songs for my new album. I mean, this, this was probably like two years ago now. My album's coming out soon. Um, I had finished writing all the songs and I was going through my old like voice memo files just to like delete stuff, like clean things up. And I found this file that I was like, what is this? This is like really interesting idea. Like I had, I didn't remember it at all. And then I clicked on like the subsequent files and like heard it evolve into like the song that's going to be the first song on my album. But like, if I had listened to like, you know, if I had skipped those 15 tracks that were in the middle, I would never have thought like, I mean, I feel like that little idea could have become like totally different song. Totally. That's interesting. so I don't ever throw anything away, but like this same yeah, thing is happening totally. to me. Yeah, it's different. <laughs> probably musicians. Yeah. And like, yeah. Well, I mean, every medium is different, which is why like, you know, when I thought about starting this podcast, like I thought for a little while about just talking to other musicians. And then I thought like the things that I'm so interested in are like our human, like quirky brains and like the spirit. So like little weird anecdote that your dad tells you when you're 10 that like shapes your entire worldview. You know, I'm so fascinated by that stuff, mm-hmm. um, which I think it's so much more interesting to talk like outside of my medium and realize like the weird things we have in common, the things that are totally different. It's, it's the best. I like it so much. So you got really into Photoshop and you, I was, tra- I was telling my husband last night, like, you know, I always tell him like, I have this interview tomorrow. What's the person do? I was telling him like, Josh does these photos that are like, I mean, I'm not going to have the right words to describe it, but like, they're like fantastical. Like you, you make art like on the photo. Um, it's probably like a deeply ignorant way of saying it. No, it's (laughs) great. Like Like, there's no, I don't even know. How did you start doing that? Like that's, I mean, am I right that that's like the main thing you do now? That's kind of like what you're known for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so it's, um, I mean, okay. When I was doing video, I started doing, I started a wedding videography company and did that for a couple of years. And I worked with a lot of photographers and, and I like totally disliked photographers. I just didn't want to be a photographer. I was like, they they have it so simple. I'm taking, you know, 24 frames per second. They're doing one. Like they'll just snap a photo so easy. So I didn't want to ever become a photographer. But then when I got to ad school, I saw that these advertising photographers were doing something called compositing where you basically can create your own story. It's not just a photo. It's like 30 photos mixed into one. It's like some combination of like photography and like graphic design. Yeah. It's, it's, it's it's digital art. That's technical term, but it's like 
I mean, I call myself a photographer, commercial photographer. It's like surreal photography, digital art. But you basically take, use photos as your art medium and then Photoshop the crap out of them. Do you still feel the same way now about like traditional photography as you did then? Or do you feel like you understand like different things about it? No, because it's interesting now to me. Like, yeah, yeah, it's before it was that I, I craved to tell a story. And I still crave that yeah. like big time, like to tell a story. And so mm-hmm. I'm always trying to find the best way to tell a story. But <clears throat> with but but now I'm seeing the value in just taking a photograph. I, obviously, still editing it with the mood, you know, because like you can't just like take a photo yeah. and be done with it. Like that's not art. That's just yeah. like cool. You had a good visual eye on things, but you got to create mood. You got to create emotion with yeah. color and whatever. Um. So yeah, I mean, I like. I actually like to go backwards now. So I do all these crazy compositing. It takes like hours. The the, the most it's ever taken me was 300 hours for Amazing. one edit. Yeah. And so then I go back and it's like, I love just taking a simple fashion portrait or something. Yeah. Or, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I just was curious, like, you know, cause I, I think lots of times when we're like in our, I, I like to talk with artists about like their brain development. Like what were you doing when you were like, 13 because you know you have such a specific chemistry in your little brain and then what were you doing when you were like 18 19 20 um and we we've kind of we've hit on those things but I do think your early 20s are such a fragile time like you're so ignorant of so many things and you're also like making these like incredible like lifelong life-affecting decisions it's such an interesting time so I mean, for better or worse, like you had this thought, like, I want to be doing more. I mean, it's for better for you. But like, I guess I mean, for like for accurate or or false or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, You had this thought, like photography is not enough. Video allows me to tell a story. And then like bringing those things together once you kind of like were more aware of what Photoshop could do. Yeah. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Um, Cool. So can you like story tell me through like from that, you know, that time when you started when you were like binging uh photoshop to like i don't know till it started being like the main thing you were doing so what happened binging photoshop i actually i had a friend that was progressing with me as fast as i was but with design okay and so we basically would share notes back and forth and if something he has a really good eye and so um he when i would create something that was terrible and he'd see it and he'd be like, no, this, this isn't good. Like, yeah, you gotta switch this up. So there's a lot of years there that, that me and him bounce stuff back and forth. And, and I learned a lot, you know, and like, he also would like throw stuff my way and I would give him feedback, but like he, he would help me a lot with just visual things, you know, because design, I mean, it's really weird. Cause like design is way more technical and then photography and digital art is like kind of, like artsy colors all over the place like you know with design you have to be precise you gotta do like things like calculated you know so anyway um so yeah he helped me out a lot but then but then yeah it was just a journey of like creating the the thing that helped me the most was just actually doing something because i had all these creative ideas that i wanted to do and then I, I, this is what basically turned me from a boy into a man. Okay. It was like, <laughs> creatively, it was, it was like, everybody has all these ideas. I started realizing that I can act and then I have my own agency. I can actually do things and make cool things happen. When 
I like I wrote down this massive idea to do like a James Bond shoot. I'd never done before. I had this idea to have planes in it. Like like how in the world am I gonna get a photograph of a plane, the underside of a plane? Like yeah. where do I get all that stuff? So create this impossible task and then and then I just put a date. And I was like, I'm gonna do this by next week. And then three days passed, four days passed, I still hadn't done anything. Like usual, because people have ideas, they just don't do anything about mm-hmm, them. Mm-hmm. And then I was like stressed out of my mind. Like, I got to yeah. finish this. I already yeah. invited the models. Yeah. You know, I have everything. I got to produce. Yeah. And so then it it switched my brain into production and yeah. I started producing. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then when I produced that shoot, I actually did things that were hard and I like brought it together. That changed my life like mm-hmm. completely. I went from being just a thinker to like an actual doer, which yeah. I think turned me into more like an entrepreneur. Totally. Doing things quickly, making it happen. Yeah. You know, I relate to that so much. Like I, my guess is you and I have a pretty similar like personality makeup, but I think probably very different types of childhoods, which is also just like nature nurture. It's bizarre. Um, I, I, I'm trying to think of exactly what I want to ask, but maybe like something in the, in the realm of like, how does like this kind of like nebulous creativity and like production, how do those like relate to you or like how do they feel different to you like how do you what's the relationship in your mind now well well, the production actually takes work instead of just a feel-good thought Mm. you know for me like I don't have a feel-good thought until I'm in production like but maybe that's something I've learned because I am I'm totally like a producer type too like I have an idea like that idea is happening like I feel like it I feel like I'm obligated to make the idea happen I think it's pretty rare for me now that I have an idea that doesn't happen. Well, that's good. Yeah. I I have I have a thousand ideas that I feel good about that don't happen because it's yeah. like I mean people are idea people. It's not just me. It's like Yeah. If if you expand and maybe it's because I've expanded past art and it's like business now. And yeah. so I think of a lot of different business ideas. Yeah. And I'm like so excited, like that could work. That'd be amazing. Yeah. And then and then, you know, maybe it doesn't work or you just you don't produce on it. But I guess, I don't know, going, going back to what you were saying, it's like with art, like I, I would think of a really cool image. I'm like, it'd be amazing to create that. But then if I didn't actually act and produce, I just, it, it wasn't lasting, you know? Mm, yeah. I'm wondering if this conversation we're having right now was is similar to that, like you're deleting images and I'm like drafting. Yeah. Um, Cause I think maybe my ideas are like that too. Like, my ideas will be like real big and vague and then like got it like they, i'll think details i'll think like the yeah exact you do it the o- other way it. yeah and or, i'll go through like the whole thing yeah I, I i usually start really big and then get extremely detailed so by the time like my idea like the things that weren't gonna work about it like they they yeah. fall off you're able to fall off quicker than which is good yeah That's well good. I mean, it's it's probably like a personality type thing. Maybe. Have you ever done like the Myers-Briggs thing? No. I like to ask people just, I don't know, it's interesting to me. It's like the I-E, like mine's like I-N-T-J, which is very like, they call it like the architect sometimes because it's like, the a- it's, a- plan, I- it's plan-y. I it's I, I is, I, uh, you probably have. I stands for introvert. The N means like intuition, T means thinking, and J means judgment. Mm. Anyway, there's two letters in each. There's like I or E, N or S, and then like 
thinking, feeling, judgment, perception. Anyway, hmm. it doesn't matter. If you had taken it, it might be a thing we could talk about. Yeah. But you well, haven't. So darn, we don't need to. let's end this right now. <laughs> have you ever dyed well, your hair purple? I have purple hair now. Oh, oh my gosh. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's purple and pink. Um, okay. Yeah. So, um, so now that you're a creative producer, like, I mean, maybe did you already answer like what's what do you feel is the relationship between those things like for you now? Oh, I mean, or like do you feel like they're like I guess what I'm really wondering is like do you feel like there's a boundary or do you feel like they're one and the same? Well, I think I think producing is like this. No, they're different. They're totally different. Yeah, I feel like they come from different like almost like different parts of your brain. Describe because I don't feel like that. Mm. I feel like they're totally one. So how does it for you? Well, because. Cause you can be an idea person, and not do anything about it. And that's mm. just like your imagination. And then there's like the production side of things, which takes you getting out of bed and like actually it's like organized calling somebody yeah. and organizing the event and like going and doing it and showing up yeah. and actually, and that know. person might not be creative, but yeah, I think those yeah. are, that's why that's actually split up. Not you see. So these are two different things like music, you know, music and like painting or whatever photos, because there's with photography and photo and video, there's like a producer. It's like a separate person that mm-hmm. actually does the thing. Mm-hmm. He actually produces the event. And you show up and you just snap the camera, go edit. Mm-hmm. You know, you do your creativity. Um, so, I mean, maybe we're talking, maybe it's different because we're talking about different industries. But well, but it, look, in just life yeah. in general, like you can be a thinker. And just have ideas yeah. all day long, and then you can be a producer. Yeah. And those are those are to me those are different things. It's yeah. like a different skill set. No, I totally agree with you. But I think what I'm saying is, for me, production feels extremely creative. Like I, my favorite <clears throat> creativity is like the creativity that I do, like in production. Oh no, it totally does. I yeah. mean, that's that's where that's, it, I'm kind that's of where it co- no. Well, okay. Yeah. Well, so that's where it comes out, like totally. Yeah. But I think it's the. Well, you definitely had a moment where you went like, I, I mean, I'm imagining you have a moment where you go like, I'm creative. Maybe you also knew you were a producer, which is why you went to advertising school. You went to business school. Uh, and then you go like, oh, these can go together. Yeah. I mean, I, I really do think that they're different, but you can be creative in production because you're actually creating stuff. Yeah. You know, that, that's how you sort of manifest your thoughts yeah but to me they're two different skills one is to be able to think of something creative and to think of the art and to be able to visually totally agree they're different skills and feel and then the other one is getting down to business calling the right people making the connections sure i i think i'm just saying i rarely experience them separately i i get that they're separate skills just in my own experience they're like all tangled up Well, you were probably naturally you probably naturally just did that because that like when I was young, I didn't. I just had thoughts. Yeah. I didn't know that you could actually manifest sure. things yeah, by so doing you, them yourself. You had this light bulb, <clears throat> and then what happened? So you had the light bulb with the airplane photo shoot. Well, and then I just started creating like crazy, and yeah. it just kept happening, and over and over and over, I was creating bigger and bigger projects, and like things were happening in yeah. my life, and people were like, like around me, were like, "How are you?" how are you creating so many things? I was like, yeah. I'm just doing it. Like yeah. I just, I spend my time doing things instead of like thinking about stuff. Yeah. Do you, do you have like, what do you feel like you would tell? Like if those people back then who were asking previous version, Josh, 
Like, how are you doing this? Like, if those people were like your daughter, like what, what answer do you think you might have? Like, do you have advice for the types of people who are confused about that? About, about how, how to, where I used to be and how to start producing and doing things. Yeah. 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 I mean, first of all, back up my mom and my dad, but like my mom, so, you know, my dad's more hardcore. My mom's like super chill and nice. So she like never told me things up front, but she thought like I was going to be a total loser. Like yeah. I was sitting in my room. I she wasn't you marketing, money. Yeah. but not just making oh, money. She, she, she didn't think I was going to do anything. Yeah. Like I wasn't going to be an entrepreneur. Like I was, I was thinking I want to be an entrepreneur and she was just in now she tells me she's like I didn't ever think that was possible like mm-hmm. you were ever going to do that. Yeah. Um my parents but, definitely thought that about me as well. Yeah. Well, so great. So yeah. I mean the <laughs> the advice that I would give is here's here's the best like tangible advice is to create something. Okay, actually I remember now. This is I just love this, this is genius. I heard this in ad school. Don't worry about how you're going to create the thing. Just come up with your the idea. Because what happens is if you start thinking about how it's going to be done, you limit your creativity. Mm. And I think I think that really limits your growth. Yeah. Because then you're always thinking about the tools that you have. Instead, right. somebody told me, just think about the big idea that yeah. it could be the most creative thing, yeah. the most fulfilling thing. Yeah. First have that idea, put a deadline yeah. as to when you're going to do it. You know, these are tangible things. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then just do it like totally. put yourself accountable and and then you're going to be embarrassed if you don't do it so you're going to be forced to do the freaking thing these words that you're saying are like exactly what i do <laughs> like that is like and it's so stressful it's my, but it gets you to where you want it to go is, it's stressful yeah i talk about people because people also initially it's stressful. sometimes are puzzled by me like you know people people who know me like for example people reach out to me really frequently about my podcast and they'll be like, I'm thinking about starting a podcast. Um, how, how do you get your guests to like find you? And I'm just like, that's a ridiculous question. Of course that's not how it works. Yeah. And then they're like totally puzzled. Well, how do you, I just email them, but what if they say no? Well, yeah, a lot of people do, you know, like, but I think, People like sometimes are puzzled by like, then once they realize like what you're doing, then they go like, how are you doing that? And, and and here's the weird thing is they still don't understand because I don't think it's something that you you have to actually live. You have to, you have to send an email to somebody and realize nobody's getting back to you. Then you have to like reword it. You have to actually be doing these things. So even if you're telling them. You can't learn it in retrospect. Yeah. Even if you're telling them like, this is what I'm doing. They still, most people still won't understand it because- yeah. No, they I think you're totally it. right. And the same thing happens with these big ideas. So like, I- I'm like this, like I have a giant, huge, larger than life idea. And because I'm thinking of it from giant to small, I, I make those steps from giant to small based on the resources I do have. Mm-hmm. Where if I think if I was trying to go the other way, it'd be easy for me to think like, I can't think of how I can connect my one self and my like limited resources with like this big idea but if I'm going backward, I I get hacky about it. You know, like I can I can think like totally. Well, I don't have this thing, but like maybe I can and make this other thing work. That's the way it is. Like it's problem solving. Every yeah. I feel like everything's problem solving. It's totally. Just, you I'm know, you you can. So that's like a huge skill. If you can problem solve, you're just yeah. You're valuable to like so many but, people. Like, do you think that's teachable? Well, through life experience, there's a huge divide yeah. between like head knowledge and then actually doing yeah. something. That's why <clears throat> this 
day and age is super annoying because like everybody looks on Google and they like know the answer, you know, supposedly mm-hmm. they know yeah. what you should be doing, you know, but, but, it, oh, yeah. but experience is the thing that really divides, you know, head knowledge from actual success. Sure. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I think I want to ask you during this time that you're like having this like big, like creative revival in your life, like you're doing all this stuff, you're having, you have this big light bulb about production. Um, were there moments in there that you like, you know, went back to that 10 year old self where you were like, what am I doing? Like, am I going to make money? Totally. Yeah. What, what did that (laughs) feel like? How, I I mean, how were you resilient about that? Well, yeah, that's a good question. How did you like, how did you do it? That's a good question. Like, how is I resilient about like going from not making money to actually making money in the Mm in-between type thing? Mm -hmm. Um, I got to think about that because that's like, like, because I don't know why I stuck with the path, you know? Yeah. I felt like maybe, maybe it was just what I knew. And so you just stick with it and you don't see, you know, I didn't see myself doing anything else. So you just like, yeah, like this is who I am. It just kind of made sense. Well, I also think if you're kind of a, a doer type of a person, it's kind of easy sometimes to get a little tunnel visioned. Like I'm on a path. I can see something in front of me. Like, I'll just go there and then I'll see like the next thing. Totally. But, uh, but I think I'm wondering like, cause again, I think, you know, our twenties and like, we're both still very young, <laughs> like have hopefully like more life left than we've lived. So like perspective is, you know, it changes. Um, but like, I think, I think, you know, in terms of development, your twenties are this really fragile time where it's like, I think I know what I want to do. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm going to be doing. Like, it's very weird. And it's easy to, you know, have this kind of success that you have and to look back and be like, oh, I mean, for people to look back and be like, well, he was always just doing it. But like, yeah, I think I'm wondering, like, were there times in, in there where you were like scared? Oh, Like all the freaking time, like being... working on your own being a freelancer starting a business it's like the hardest thing on the planet and and um no one gives you permission yeah no one tells you like you're ready you're good enough but here's the thing is like i i realized early like where where's security found like truly you know is it working for somebody is it getting a specific job um for me you know is it going to school like getting a degree for me it was none of those for me it was getting a a skill set. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so I just felt like I was constantly building my skill set. But as far as like when I was younger, so I started off working at a restaurant just because family business, you know, like I got pushed into food. Right. That was all the connections my dad had. So I was working in food all the time, restaurants um, for years, like six, seven restaurants. And then, and then I wanted to start one of my friends was like, Hey, you're actually good at videos. You should do something with that. And then that, that sort of like sparked my entrepreneur brain and, so I started a wedding video business and I, I, I didn't really market it. I, I went to like one wedding show and made enough, you know, I, I sustained my business for two years, but it was on a slow decline because yeah. I just didn't know how to market. Yeah. And then at some point I just ran out of money. I was like, crap, you know, and I'm single, so I didn't need that much. So then at that point I decided to go to ad school and then that's where like the, the hard journey begins because um, I had to go back, get a job in construction. I was scooping poop at like three in the morning to mm. clean up floods. Did yeah. that for a year. 
I was like, I just, I don't want to do this anymore. And so went, got into wedding photography, went to another wedding show. And slowly along the way, like I was learning little bits and pieces here and there. But I mean, some of the hardest times, like I remember Christmas 2012. So this is seven years ago. Yeah. Or yeah, yeah. seven years ago. Um, we <clears throat> we were on the slow decline. I'd done some big work. Like I, I think, oh, let's see. I worked with Lindsey Sterling. You know, okay, yeah, yeah. So I did a job with Lindsay Sterling, and for the listeners, she's like a she's a violinist. Yeah, kind super of a famous, viral. Yeah. yeah, viral, super famous. But like, so so I did a job for her, and then people are like, "Wow, you're, yeah, you, you've hit it big," you know. <clears throat> but little did they know, I was like, like we didn't, broke. we barely had money for food. Yeah, I mean. Oh, that's the exact, like this also, this like starving artist thing that we talked about at the beginning. Then there's also this of like, wow, you made it. And like sometimes these moments of like, you made it are like such, they're not at all real. And then there's like an opposite thing where like, maybe you're doing really well, but you're not doing anything flashy. Mm -hmm. And then people are like, oh, are you still doing that art thing? I I would rather do that. I'd rather be comfortable and not doing anything flashy. Me too, which is why I'm a (laughs) jazz musician and I live in Salt Lake City, you know, (laughs) Lehigh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, same. Um, yeah. So you had, you had moments that were scary. So, okay. In, in, in 2012, what were you doing? Like what all, what all were you doing with, in terms of work? Well, so, so I had just, so I did these transitions from construction to wedding photography. Wedding photography is about a year or two. And then from wedding photography, I was always going after the money, kind of thinking like, actually it wasn't the money it was it was more so what i like really wanted to do sure. so i saw these big commercial companies that's what i wanted to do was ad photography so i was like how do i transition from wedding to commercial photography which that was the hardest transition yeah. that was like the jump into the unknown magical mystical world of mm. high end commercial photographers yeah. that get paid 50,000 per gig yeah. and like how in the world do you do that? Like yeah. nobody was there to tell me. No nobody even explains that. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Like nobody knows. And so, so it was like here and there I was getting bits and pieces. So that was a tough time for me. I am. Were you married at that point? Yeah. Okay. I'd got married. I got married in 2012. Okay. And, and so I went from having this income by myself, just being able to like survive to like yeah. now two people in an apartment and we're paying four fifty a month, and that was like extreme for me. Yeah, when going from free rent to sure. losing four hundred fifty yeah. bucks, <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. which is silly. But I, I mean, I mean, I, it just is what it is. Yeah, go and, ahead. And and you know, I just didn't. We just didn't have anything. Um, and then slowly, so so somebody helped me out. They they dropped. I didn't have enough gear to do like the next job I was going to do. And so somebody dropped off fifteen hundred bucks on our doorstep for Christmas. And my wife was like so thankful. First thing I did was I bought gear. Yeah. And I think she was probably like, what are you we doing? We need food. Like, yeah. we need food. <laughs> we need I was rent. Like, I was always yeah. of the idea of like, no, we need uh, tools to produce. Now, and I'm not a gear fanatic. Yeah. I was just, I it's need practical. tools to produce. Like, yeah. you know, that's going to produce for us. But that kind of thought, like that thing you just said, like that takes some courage. I mean, you know. There's also like definitely like a privilege element, I think. Like some people, like, I don't know. I think maybe those of us that have family and that if you have family that's supportive, maybe you have this idea like if things get really bad, my family's here. Where like some people maybe don't. So like, you know, these decisions that we make are like are informed by 
the resources that we have. But I, I do think, think having this thought of like, like that's not a conservative thought to like buy gear. I mean, in your, I get from like your perspective, it is, but like, it doesn't look like it. No. And it takes like this courage and like some like doggedness to be like, I know that I can turn this into money, but you don't know. Like, well, that's the thing. I think I can turn this into money. Yeah. And, and exactly. Like I, I had confidence that I could produce. It wasn't like jumping into the dark. I had the skill level, you know, I added in the gear and it wasn't even expensive gear. It was just a few lights to yeah. be able to create my work. And, yeah. um, and I just, yeah, I just believe that I could do it. So I told my wife, I said, look, cause we're like, we don't have any money at all. Like, um, we went on a date and I tell this all the time to, to, we didn't have food at home. So we're like, Hey, let's just go out. Like we're so sick of not having money. Like maybe we'll just go out and eat something at like Panda Express. So we go through the line, we get two meals and my card declined, her card declined. Oh, no. So I, I was like, crap, let me run to the car. I went yeah. and grabbed change. I only had enough for one meal. So like they had to put the other meal back, which is embarrassing. Uh, yeah. I mean, her yeah. across from each other, splitting a meal. Yeah. And I told her, I was like, I was like, um, you know, give me a month. I said, look, I'm going to work as hard as I can. Give me one month to produce something. And if I, if I don't produce anything, I'll go work at where you're working. I'll get a regular job yeah. <clears throat> making 11 bucks an hour. Yeah. Um, it was at a place called send out cards. And so she's like, okay, we can do this for a month. Like you, you work on your thing. So I went crazy hard and, and I started researching. I was like, what do I do? Like I do, I can do photo shoots. I was promoting those, but those, you know, that was me learning about commercial photography, how you had to be prepared ahead of time, market ahead of time to get the yeah. work. Anyway, so that wasn't a quick fix. So I was like, yeah, I could wait for my next job to come in or I could take action. And so I'd already got a following of people that loved my work. They saw me do Lindsey Sterling. I'd, I'd done a lot of really great Photoshop work. You had some fans. I had fans and a fan base. And so small email list, like two, like 3,000 people on my email list. And, um, and so I decided to make tutorials. This is like back in 2013. Um, it was like mid-2012 to 2013. And so I was like one of the first to be doing these Photoshop tutorials. And so I, I did them. And at the end of the month, like it was actually like supporting us. I was like, yeah. this is crazy. Wow. And at the end of the year, it actually brought in more money than than I would have got at the job. Right. You know, probably yeah. doubled the money I would have made at the job. Yeah. And so that supported us. Yeah. And it allowed me to continue doing, you know, yeah. my art, photography, whatever. Yeah. Um, then the next thing that happened was I still didn't know how to market. I was just, yeah. people were kind of seeing my work. And then I had a massive concussion in 2015, I think it okay. was, where I, I lost my memory. Oh my gosh. And I came home and I saw my photography on the wall and I didn't know who did it. Are you serious? Yeah. And then they're like, you did it. And I was like, how did I do that? I was not expecting you to say this. Yeah. yeah. Tell me more. I mean, I mean, this is the, this is the extreme, like behind the scenes of like, I didn't know how to create my art. Yeah. And, and thank goodness my memory came back over yeah. the span of six months, like slowly okay. come back. But yeah, but the thing yeah, that I got that from, feel like? oh, sorry, it go was ahead. terrible. Yeah. Like the thing that that did for me for six months, I was in panic mode because before then I was in this fog of, of, I was too much into my art. You mean before the concussion? Yeah, before okay. the concussion. Yeah. I was too much into my art. I was too fogged with the idea of creating art, being an artist. Like, And I, I realized after my concussion that the one thought, the first thought that came to me 
was, um, well, okay, let me back up really quick. The, the night before I got the concussion, I got paid for a job. I got paid $8,000 for a job that I had finished, cool. a commercial job. So yeah. I had, you know, our expenses were low. I had enough for like three or four yeah. months or something. Um, so then after the thought that came to me was, how am I actually making money? Yeah, I have that thought sometimes too. Like, like you know... I know I've been making money as a professional musician for 10 years. I know that I put my husband through school. I, I mean, I guess I should clarify. He he had like a free tuition um, for his PhD, but I paid for our lives while he was in school. I didn't put him through school. Well, uh, you did, pretty much. I mean, I, mean <clears throat> I just want to clarify. I wasn't paying <laughs> for his PhD. He had like a fellowship. Um, but, you know, I still think about that because I, I think you get this feeling like when you're a freelancer, it's just like, it's fleet. It's just, it's fragile. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Like it's, you, you don't, it's, you got this $8,000 and you're like, I don't, I can't get I don't know this how to gig again. That. Yeah. Yeah. It's like this gig happened one time. It's one gig, then the next gig, then you have to do more marketing. I mean, it's, yeah, it's completely possible. But the thing that I realized was what I was missing was how am I making money? How am I attracting my next client? You know, how do I actually make money so I'm not in this situation again? Yeah. So once again, I started a photography school. And by, by this time, I was actually um, making, well, well, if we back up, I, I had got <clears throat> my first really big gig. This sort of leads up into the rest of the story. I got my first big gig uh, and made, it was like, I made, a, a, I made a lot of money for one gig, more yeah. than I ever had before. And, and it was like, this was before the eight grand gig, before the before the eight grand gig, before the yeah. concussion, and so that came. And I thought my thought process was, this is how it is. People are going to contact me now. I'm big time. I work for a big brand. Yeah, the word's going to get out. Were you working for a brand? Yeah, not. I mean, I wasn't working for a brand. I did a job for a brand. You just mean like I have done work for a yeah. brand, and I, so it was my first big. I'll do other commercial work for gig. other brands. Yeah, it was yeah. my big, my big first commercial gig into the world of commercial photography, and I yeah. was like. I've made it. And then I started getting, you know, $50,000 gigs, like $8,000, $10,000, $15,000 gigs. And I was like, I made it. Like, this happened. But then I still didn't understand the marketing side and all that. So anyway, yeah. income started dropping. I got my concussion. I was like, what do I do? So I actually started a school because people were asking me, how have you attracted these big brands? Because in the meantime, I was actually figuring it out. I was, yeah. I was able to attract Adobe, Acura, Nickelodeon, LG, like all these clients and, and actually, those were later on, like Adobe, Nickelodeon, LG, a few of those. And people were like, "How do you do that?" So I was like, "I'll, I'll just, I'll just do like a training, you know, because sure. we need money." Like, I, I got more yeah. into the business stuff, so I made a school, started a podcast, cool. Started doing online courses in 2014, and and that blew up. Like that, that was my main business. Cool. Blew up above commercial photography. Then I was. I was taking on like two or three big commercial gigs. I was sh turning away most other people, just taking the big gigs. Yeah. I was running a business and, <clears throat> and it was awesome. And I guess the, the thought there is, um, well, along the way I was learning so many skills, doing stuff for myself, digital marketing, video, yeah. photography, how to build websites, totally. um, you know, how to spend ad money and get a return, like all these really good skills. And how old were you? around this time? It's 2014. Like I was 30. 31 or something. Yeah, okay. And building all these amazing skills. And then and then there was a drop in income again. Yeah. You know? So anyway, the whole point here is it's just, it was up and down and up and down. But each time I was learning something new. Yeah. And 
the thing that's helped me the most out of all this isn't to focus on my art. Like I love art yeah. and I was always trying to improve my art and I still am. But <clears throat> I think that the one thing that everybody misses here, that they think they think art's like so mystical, but like you can't do your art and you can't have, like you're going to be stuck yeah. like doing a low paying job for the rest of your life if you don't learn the right skills yeah. to be able to produce and to yeah. help other companies and to. Right. You need to, you need to. Like in addition to building and creating the art that you make, you need to build and create an ecosystem and an infrastructure for that art. Um, yeah, I yeah, I think. I mean, this, this probably goes against like your whole thing. No, art, it doesn't at all. <laughs> I mean, y- you should listen to like my intro. It, it's all about this. It's about this thing we're talking about right now. Um, because I'm, I agree. Like I tend to be kind of a business minded. I like that kind of stuff. Um, like I mentioned earlier, like I was really, I was motivated by like a fear of not having enough money from the time I was like 18. I mean, from the time I was littler, like, cause I'm the same as you. Like when I was little, I was like, you can't make money doing music. And then I had some like, you know, big life changing experiences when I was like 16, 17, 18 and thought like, all right, I'm going to go to music school, but like, I'm not going to get in debt. I'm going to like work my ass off. Um, I'm going to make sure that I can make money and that I have marketable skills. And I also have found this thing that you found of like, as soon as you think you've got it figured out, everything changes. The economy changes, technology changes, People's taste changes. Yeah, especially so, in the music industry. Holy crap. I mean, yeah, the music industry is... I'm interested. It's intense. Uh, and it's also, like you said, like nobody knows. <laughs> like yeah. When somebody like makes it, it's first of all, like, are you actually making it? Like, do you just have a lot of fans or do you actually have money? Yeah. Because those are not <laughs> always the same thing. And like, I think often they're not the same thing. Like people will have like, you know... 30,000 followers on Instagram and like they're broke. Yeah. Um, yeah. The music industry is, is very mysterious or it can be, or, you know, whatever. But I think, I think these trends are true for a lot of types of art. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm interested in it. I'm just, I'm just seeing now as I progress, like the, the real valuable stuff, like what is really valuable today like as far as creating art business goes well i bet you'll well i was gonna say before i bet that like we'll all keep changing like and it's one thing i think like we're in a weird time like in the world right now um so much has changed with technology in the last like 20 years like during like kind of our coming of age time in like our generation and you know you hear a lot of older people being like well things are not the way they're supposed to be but like this is just how it is it's going to keep changing and like if we want to avoid being like the older people that are like well what worked when i was 30 you know like these things are going to keep happening you're in you're going to see your income dropping you're going to go like all right time for another like reinvention but i would say that you can be artful there too like you can be artful and creative and like, you know, beautifully minded about how you handle those transitions. Totally. And, and like I'm 32, so like, what do I know? But that seems that no, way to me. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm so much older than you, so I know all of it. <laughs> yeah. So I'll give you great wisdom right now. I mean, I think we both are like equally <laughs> just in that age group where it's like, I know some things I've made it this far. I've, do, I've done, 
I've done things, but like, I'm sure that, you know, if we have this conversation again in another, you know, 10, 20 years, who knows? Yeah. Uh, but I think you're right that it's about like cultivating that, that creative resilience, problem solving, being, you know, looking at the world and trying to be resourceful. Um, so let's talk, let's talk now, let's get into like part three of the podcast, which is usually the shortest one. I like to talk about like art and identity. We talked about some of this stuff a little bit earlier. Um, why don't we first just like, can you tell me like at this point in your life now, like, what do you think art is? Um, I, I, I'm really interested in a weird way in, um, inflated value of art. So, so art first is always like something that creates emotion for me, but then, but then now I'm getting like super interested in the art market. I know this maybe is going a different direction, but, um, I'm interested in like what's going on in your brain. I'm I'm interested in overinflated value because I'm, I'm more of a marketer than I am. Um, an artist, I think, or maybe, maybe I'm both equally. I I don't even know. Like, I don't want to get rid of the artist identity because I feel like, yeah, Yeah. that's mainly what I am. But then the marketing side, I'm so interested in that. Like, for example, you know, a potato that I think I mentioned this already, a potato that sells for like 2 million or whatever, or, or like an egg, some of you might've seen the egg that went viral, you know, like, like, I didn't see the egg. It was just one Instagram post. I saw the duct tape banana. Yeah, that too. Like, (laughs) that's messed up to me because the banana can like wilt and go away. And it's like, what the heck do you spend your money on? Yeah. Um, but yeah, overinflated value because it has to do with marketing, like social proof, like why people, my mom was also the other side that we didn't talk about. My mom was into NLP, which is neuro linguistic programming. Okay. And she owned her own clinic. Like this before Sweet. it became like the hot topic late of late, you know? And she would help people like lose weight and stop smoking, all these things. But then also it's all about how you affect somebody's mind, like how you how you push them to make a decision, you know, with your words or things you say or do. And so I, I was so intrigued by that. Like like where because you say one thing to somebody, they'll do something. Yeah. You know, or, or like re- your dad telling you that money anecdote when you're ten. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that, or like something called a pattern interrupt. Which I know about a pattern interrupt because I have been taking digital marketing classes. Oh, great. See, and the funny thing is like all these digital marketers, like they're using NLP uh, pattern interrupts, like all these things. That's all NLP stuff, you know? And the pattern interrupt is so genius in anything in marketing, advertising. It's just, I mean, for those listening, you probably know what it is, but it's like your your brain is on a certain pattern. Then when you do something different, um, it interrupts it. And the next thing that you say to your mind or the next thing you consume is what usually your brain usually attaches to. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm interested in that stuff. That's when you ask me about art, that's yeah. what I'm interested in now. It's not, yeah. it's not creating the yeah. art necessarily, which yeah. I still love that, but it's the marketing of the art. Yeah. How, how do you influence? I people? am totally fine with like the def- definition of art being like a big, big umbrella. Um, like whatever is like, like, scratching that itch like whatever is like sparking that part of your brain that's creative i think is allowed to be art um but it's so subjective you know which like i don't know i tend to care i i get a little i think i get a little like optimistic about these kinds of things and i tend to feel like it's art whether or not like someone else thinks it's art like if i think it's art it's art to me and i feel like there's just enough people and there's enough like types of opinions that like if I think something's art 
someone else is going to think it's art. Yeah. I almost don't care if other people think it's art. Like if I like it and I think it's art, like I'll, I'll push, I'll push a hundred people out of the way and be like, that's art. Like yeah. I don't care what no, you I guys totally say. feel the same way. And I think the fact that it's so subjective, like most of the time, every once in a while it bothers me, but most of the time it doesn't bother me because like if someone else like thinks this other thing is art that I think is garbage, like whatever, it doesn't take anything away from me. <laughs> like if that is doing something for that person, like fine and like the fact that like i'm a person that's not interested in that i think it's just like evidence that there are going to be like other people who aren't yeah and they're going to like the same things i like okay so so art is this like totally intangible like it can't it is it isn't it depends on who's looking at it i'm with you um how do you feel like your identity is related to the art that you make or do and, you know, we can do big picture art, like your funnels that you build can be art too. Uh, yeah. Like what, what's your, no, I, what do you feel like is your identity to like your creative output? I mean, so, so in explain that a little bit more, cause I, I have an answer. This is such a, like it, this is like in the greatest hits of the podcast. I have this conversation with everyone where they're like, what do you mean? And I'm always <laughs> like, I don't know because it's your, like, I don't know what I mean. Well, 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 um, but like the broad question is like, I'm just curious, like, what do you feel like your relationship is? Like, how does your art reflect on your identity? How do your, does your identity reflect on your art? What do you see as the relationship between who you are and what you make? Well, I feel like what I make is what subconsciously it's what deep down is inside of yeah. me. You so know? You, do you feel like in the process of making the thing you are like bringing to life new bear, come over here. You're bringing to life new, like parts of yourself. Like, do you feel like the making of the thing like allows you to realize like new kind of development in I yourself? I don't know. Like some people create art and they, and it like fills a piece of them that I don't feel like that's me. I feel yeah. like, I am not saying this in, in any weird way at all. Like, I feel like I'm a whole person or anything like that. No, but I, I, I feel like I'm not searching for anything when I create my art. I feel sure. like I feel like I already know, or I'm, I'm searching for maybe other things. But yeah. when it comes to creating art, it's just expressing what's already inside of me. And yeah. so, like, if you look at my body of art, I feel like it reflects kind of who I am. Like, a lot of it's really colorful, really bright, really, like, yeah. orange feeling, like, warm it's your the things I've seen that you make are like they feel like bright, like they yeah, they, like they bright, feel like light. Yeah, like really light images. And even like, if they're dark, they're light. Yeah, yeah. It's like and I do like dark they're, images and whatnot. Yeah. And it's it's it has a lot to do with storytelling. What yeah. I what I think, what I imagine in my head. So it's all just expressing. So you feel like those things are fixed. Like <clears throat> like when you look back on your body of work. Do you feel like, yeah, there's like a through line that's like, this is who I am? Or do you feel like it, it kind of changes based on like what was going on with you at that time? Well, if I created art when I was 14, it would be very different than yeah. creating art now. So the the last, I think after after uh, serving God for two years, yeah. it sort of put me on a path that was different from before, you know, yeah. so... So I kind of, and not, you know, my, my work's not like religious. I, I do religious art as well, but... Um, I feel like I've I've been sort of like a, a I haven't made wacky decisions that would affect my my life to to like then reflect my art in that period of time. Like I don't know, sure. I look back at my art and it seems pretty to me it seems consistent, consistent from when I started. You know, if yeah. I started earlier it would have been different. Sure. 
And it could change. Yeah, and it'll change yeah. probably. Well, yeah, I think, you know, I was I I think for some people, like they have a new idea and they're not sure like what it is. And they have to create stuff in order to kind of like figure it out. And then it's like, oh, I'm in this new like phase of creation. Or I think some people like have a new experience, like they're a parent for the first time or you know are experiencing like a depression or something and like as they're like incorporating like that reality it like affects their art but like i don't know i just like to ask people like what's yeah. the relationship well, well for me it, i just thought about this now it went from video to photo so i do see or you know from when i was a kid it's it's like these superhero it still has a theme to it but there's like these superhero drawings the medium changed and so sure. that's how i see the changes do you want to talk about your superhero photographs that like were viral oh and, the kid ones yeah. yeah please tell please tell my listeners about it yeah that was so that also is a reflection of me having kids so that was a, a huge right. change it's a it's way like, that something's changing but i'm still it's still using the same medium still has the same feel and look it's just the subject yeah. matter changes but <clears throat> um what do you want to know about them i don't know um I don't know, like maybe just what you think, like what do you think is important about them? Like what, what's important about the story of like how you started doing it, how it happened? Well, I, well, okay. Well, so how I started doing it. So I did these, um, so I was always, it has kind of like a marketing side to it where I was always like, how do I get my work out there? Um, so that was in the back of my mind, but then it was my daughter's birthday. I would do these crazy photos of her every year. Yeah. And then one year I, I just couldn't because I was like out of town and I missed it and four months passed. And my wife was like, are you going to do a really cool shot of yeah. our daughter? And I was like, oh man, it's just so much work. Like, no, I don't want to. I, and then finally I was like, okay, fine. I'll just go all out. I'll do it. So you won't ask me again. I'll do like the ultimate photo shoot of our daughter. And so... So then I started talking to my friends. I was like, oh, maybe I could like get more people to see this. Because if I go all out, yeah. it'll make the photo shoot better yeah. and more people will see it and it'll so be worth it. so interesting. You start going like, well, if I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah, if I'm going to do it, I'll just go all out. And so <laughs> yeah. so we spent $1,500 for a freaking Halloween costume for my daughter. Wow. Like an absurd it's a great, amount. It was a great costume. Yeah, it was It was like photorealistic. I mean, I mean, movie realistic. Yeah. And so I ordered that. I did this shoot. People thought I was nuts. Like I had a photo agent at the time and he was like, yeah, that's, Bear, he's like, that's here. a cool idea. I guess. Bear's harassing like, Josh. That's fine. Sorry. He's like, that's a cool idea. Like photographing your daughter. And over here. He, he just didn't, he wasn't up for it. And so it, it, like a lot of people didn't believe it was going to do anything. I was like, whatever. So I, I posted the photo. I sent it to one of my friends that had a little big following. And I mean, a few weeks later, it was a 60 million views. Yeah. And I was like, what the crap just happened? Now, I was watching this, like, I mean, I, because I've been friends with you on Facebook for, like, I think, like, probably six years. Um, but where do we meet? I'm really confused. I can't remember. Um, <laughs> when I first friend. moved here, because I moved here in 2012, and I was looking to get some photos done, and someone gave me your name. Oh, that's funny. And then, like, we weren't doing the same, like, it, we just weren't doing the same thing. But I think we've been friends since then on Facebook. Um, so like I was seeing these things and I feel like from my perspective, it seemed like a lot of people were, um, you know, seeing a lot of meaning in this photo of your daughter and like, you know, they were really like empowering, like she's little, but she's like so tough. It wasn't like cute and princessy. It was yeah. like kind of fierce. 
did you were you thinking about that when you were taking the photos? Like, did you mean for that to happen? Well, totally. So that was the other half of it. Is first, it was let's go all out with this photo. Second, it was like, well, we might as well, you know, push this to a ton of people, spend money on it, you know, and then and then like as I was trying to kind of figure out the angle to take on this, um, I at the same time I had this idea of inspiring my daughter. Yeah. With a superhero. This is actually before I ordered the costume. So I was like, what superhero should we make her? Let's just turn her into something really cool. And I looked at like Black Widow and all these other women superheroes. Um, uh, I don't know, Batgirl, like Catwoman. Anyway, they all had like spandex on. They're all like super booby. And yeah. it's like, there's no way I'm yeah. turning my daughter into that. Yeah, like, that's she, the opposite she was of like what four, I wanted. Yeah, she was like four, It's like the opposite yeah. of what I wanted her to be. And... And so then I went to a movie. It was Batman versus Superman. I was in the theater and surprise comes out Wonder Woman. I was like, what? She was she was dressed normally. Yeah. Uh, no spandex, thank goodness. And she was kicking everybody's butt. She yeah. was like stronger than Superman and Batman put together. I was like, what the heck? Like nobody had portrayed Wonder Woman like this ever. Yeah. Like in the back in the comics, like or in the TV series, always this, you know, Linda yeah. Carter, like big yeah. boob woman you know whatever yeah. like yeah. showing cleavage and <laughs> so now wonder woman comes out 2018 whenever it was just whoops everyone's butt i was like that's who i want my daughter to be because it's yeah. so powerful and she's like gonna yeah that's just what i want her to see herself as so that's how i decided to do that and then after the photo shoot i got so many people reaching out to me dads that were like were like you inspired me to spend more time with my daughter wow. i was like wow i love I, that i was like i didn't even have a clue that that's what that would have yeah. done i was just trying to inspire my own daughter um and then one <clears throat> one lady reached out to me and was like man your daughter's that's a really cool project you did i call my daughter wonder woman i was like oh cool why or like that's cool and she said well my daughter has cancer and she's the real wonder woman yeah you know and and that clicked for me i was like wow like okay I, yeah. it's not like i felt guilty but i was like my daughter's perfectly healthy yeah and i'm just doing this fun photo shoot yeah. with this other little girl that has cancer doesn't have hair yeah she's the real wonder woman and so from there i got the idea to do more photo shoots but actually i did a bunch in between but a, a year or so later the idea came up again to of uh, it, it was about find the real superheroes yeah and i was like okay so i'm gonna go out and do this project the Justice League movie was going to come out and I was like, this is perfect. We'll turn the, these kids with cancer into yeah. like the Justice League. Yeah. And, and I had, so the Wonder Woman went viral, 60 million views. I did a Beauty and the Beast photo shoot where I went to Europe, photographed castles, came back and surprised my daughter with like a really cute bell, like authentic image. Yeah. Um, and I got a hundred million views. And, and so then the third project comes along, which is the Justice League kids. And me and my wife were like, let's not get our hopes up. Like, there's no way this is going to go viral. Because at this point, yeah. we're like, let's go and let's inspire people with these. Yeah. It wasn't just a marketing thing. It was like, so we can inspire like, so many people. Just like quick pause. This is totally what I mean with like the relationship between the art. Like, I, I think it's easy for people to imagine like you had this big idea, but like you were just curious, like along this path, like it started out with like you got to do the birthday photo shoot. Cause it's like what you do. And then it's like, well maybe like I'd like to do a superhero theme and like, I want it to be like empowering. And like, that's the beginning of an idea that like ends up in a place that like you didn't plan. Yeah. But I, I do think that's like, that's an interesting relationship between the art and the artist. Cause you're still steering it, you know, like totally. you're still the one making it happen. But like, 
it's like affecting you. Like it's like a loop. Yeah. I, I don't know. Oh, I just, totally. I just think it's an interesting and, and thing before, to like point out. Before every single series that I did and before any big project that I did, I always wanted to quit. There never was once when I was like, this is going to be the best project ever. It's yeah. going to blow up. I, I always was right about to quit. I mean, literally like going to yeah. trash. I was going to throw away all the Wonder Woman photos Yeah, because I was yeah. like, oh, I just don't like them. Yeah. It, it's such a, it makes me think about like, you know, how people will sometimes like talk about an artist having a vision or like being kind of like visionary about like what's going to work. Like, and it just, it's just often not like that. Like, and so when I'm talking about this, like art and artifice question, like, I think sometimes it's just this kind of thing where it's like, I didn't know this was going to be a thing. I just doing a thing. And then also like, but then having that moment of reflection, like maybe this means something, like maybe this could mean something. Yeah, I, th I think it's sharing, it's sharing your, so art's like sharing your experiences, sharing the ideas that you've had for years, sharing yeah. either the goodness that you have inside or the darkness that you have inside, totally. which, which also Important. works, yeah. you know, and like. Or like for you, like having this other woman reach out to you and be like, my daughter's the real Wonder Woman. That's not your experience at all. But that's just that storytelling. It's like you, Josh, have this like new thought of like, if I want my daughter to be powerful, like imagine like what that feeling is like for a parent who has a sick child. And then like, that's not even your experience at all, but like having that conversation with her, like changes your worldview. And then like you put that into your medium. Yeah, totally. And, and that, that was a really weird balance for me because, um, well, first of all, this project was, was so difficult that like I actually canceled the shoot and we we totally canceled it. So this time I was like, okay, I'm done. We're not doing yeah. this because way too hard for the Justice League kids. Yeah. But this was the one that was going to be the most impactful. This was yeah. going to affect millions and millions of people around the world. And I'll tell you in a second like how mind blowing it was. But I, I quit it. I completely quit the project and we waited like three or four months without doing anything, without a thought of it in my mind. And then I found out that the producer that I was going to partner with to actually help me produce the shoot, because it was like so my, so hard that I had to get somebody. Yeah. She w went behind my back to produce the same shoot. And we were sitting in the car mm -hmm. once and my wife looked on the phone and somehow she caught this social post about, about like next week or, or next month, we're going to release this crazy project where we help a lot of kids. And this, yeah. we're like, what? That's my project. Like, that's yeah. my project. And, and I was, and I was like, so like not I wasn't hurt but I was like nobody yeah. on the freaking planet's gonna do this project because it's my project and yeah. I'm the only one that can do it this way yeah. because it's my idea it's in my mind it's yeah. what I want to do nobody can create it the way that I'm gonna do it and so so I was like screw this we're gonna pay for the whole project it was like eight thousand dollars or something crazy if yeah something like that and I was like we're going to do it. And yeah. so I got the costume lady. She believed in it too. She, she put in her time. So it ended up costing a lot less. Um, she did the, the costumes then within a month. I mean, she built six costumes in a month. Usually it takes one month for one costume. Wow. So six costumes in a month. I shot the project, edited the project in a week and we released probably the day before this other person was going to release their project. And me and my wife were like, you know, there's no way that three times in a row this is going to go viral. Now, we, we also had strategy behind it, you know, yeah. being a marketer. Like, we yeah. kind of knew who to push it to and whatever. And and then it, it got like 240 million views. Wow. But the crazy thing was this, this like, 
affected people like crazy. I remember looking at my wife and one day, I think it was a Sunday and we we're talking and I was like, man, I just want to like do something that affects the world, you know? And, and she looks back at me and she's like, I think we are. Yeah. She's like, I, I think, think we are doing right something. I think it's yeah. happening right now. Yeah. And a few weeks later, I get a call from a doctor in Italy, um, a really famous doctor. And he's like, he's like, look, because of your project, we actually opened up a new research um, like program based on the uh, emotional effects that projects like this have mm. on cancer patients. Interesting. And if that can actually help them. Um, they, they opened up a whole research just because of that. That's amazing. Yeah. So I went to Italy. I spoke on live television in freaking yeah. Italian. Yeah. Explaining this project. Nurses reached out to me and they said like it was so touching because all the imagery around cancer and sick kids was always like dark and dreary and yeah. depressing and I I brought light to it. Yeah. And and this, you know, I like people listening right now are probably like always super into <laughs> into himself about this. I'm not at all because it just it just happened. It was the idea of I knew how to produce something. Yeah. I'd worked on my art and I accepted the challenge. And and I was just blessed to do something like this because yeah. like it really, it could not have gone viral. Like nobody would have seen it, but like along the way I'd learned all these little things on yeah. how to push something. Well, and that's, I mean, this is such a perfect like end to this discussion of like, you know, we started at the very beginning of this conversation kind of talking about like what makes money, what's creative, like what's art, what's craft. Um, and like this thing that you've made that's really meaningful you couldn't have done it if you hadn't spent all of those years working on stuff that like maybe a lot of people would have been like, this isn't real art. This doesn't really matter. And it's not to say that everyone should do that. I mean, everyone has their own experiences. Like everyone has different skill sets, but um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, t it's just, it just goes to show like, you just don't know. You got to yeah. like forge your own path. You got to like, think about your own skill sets, your own circumstances. Like, and then look for those clues, like that woman reaching out to you. It's just a small thing, but it kind of like connected these dots that like you just couldn't have seen. Totally. Um, looking forward. Totally. Um, I think that's like, that's a, I mean, I, maybe I just want to ask you one other thing because you, you do like speak with a lot of confidence. Is there anything that like right now at this point in your life as an artist, you feel like really vulnerable about? Um, or like. As an artist? Or like that you get like rejection, like, bleh. like, I mean, are, are there any of that kind of stuff that you experience like lately? I mean, I, I've had to like tame myself when, cause I feel like every artist, when they get rejected, you, you have to, you have to turn on your business brain because, um, when you're working with clients, there's a lot of rejection and you like can get really offended. So that's, that's one thing I've had to turn off is like where I used to get really offended and like it ruined my day. Yeah. But what about like now? Like, I mean, just because I again, well, right I think now, it's I easy to look at someone and be like, oh, you know, you've made it. You're like totally confident. Like, is there anything that you feel like unsure about, like looking at 2020? I'm not, not saying this in like a cocky way, but no, like I don't have. It's any, just not your style. You I don't like have your any, moment to moment. Well, I don't have any. Yeah, I don't have any really vulnerable. I mean. Not that I can think of. Does that sound super cocky? Because like everybody has vulnerable things and I have yeah. two in the past, but I, I feel like going into 2020 or, you know, whenever I make like goals, it's always like, I never look at the past. Yeah. I try not to look at the past. Yeah. Do you know one thing that helped me like hugely, yeah. it like changed the course of my life was, um, this was about 
15 years ago I did this and it still lasted. That's one thing I did for six months. Yeah. So whoever's listening, yeah. I did one thing okay. for six months and it changed the course of my life. Yeah. And it was every time I got a negative like word yeah. in my mind, a, a negative word, a negative thought, a negative, like you're not good at this, but not even just that, like I can't or I don't want to, or, you know, yeah, just, just all the any negative sort of like terms. negative intention. I just yeah. switched it to the positive, to the opposite positive term. Yeah. And it felt so stupid at first. Yeah. I was like, this is so ridiculous and fake. Yeah. But I did it for six months. I'm telling yeah. you, it changed the positivity in my brain, yeah. how I thought, how I acted. I think that's great. And even if it felt like fake, I mean, I talk about authenticity sometimes and like how our aunt, our, our, our authenticity changes as we like incorporate different types of thought, different practices. So if you're feel, if you feel like that's part of like who you are now of like, I don't worry about stuff like that. Like I'm moving forward. I think that's a perfect answer. Like, I, I mean, it, I worry about income, yeah. like about yeah. money, sure. you know, like that's one thing that you worry about. Yeah. But still it's not, it's not like debilitating where yeah. if I don't have money or if I'm like having a bad month or yeah. like a client drops or something, then yeah, there's this this worry, but I, I almost I feel like there's no point to worrying yeah. until something actually happens. That's what I'm trying to say. Like it, what I'm hearing is like you don't feel this kind of like latent sense of like vulnerability, like at least at this point in your life, um, because like you're present. Yeah, and present. there's nothing happening right now. Yeah, I, I yeah. used to feel more vulnerable, like. Yeah. Around celebrities, for example, I was always like, what would it be like to work with a celebrity? Yeah. You know, you get nervous and you're yeah. like, how do you talk? You, you're like yeah. being live television. Like I've been on live television in freaking Italian. Yeah. You know, yeah. speaking Italian and like I'm, I'm fluent in Italian, but I mean, to speak on freaking live TV yeah. is insane. In Italy. Yeah. In Italy, you cannot yeah. screw up. I yeah. remember sitting there sweating, thinking yeah. to myself, there is no yeah. option to screw up. But like, like you're not on that TV set right now. So there, well, I, but is the thing is, saying? but the thing yeah. is I've done stuff like that to where I've shocked myself sure. Yeah, and, and you I'm have not learned vulnerable. that your comfort zone is like, yeah, I've malleable. met, I've met celebrities. I talked with them. I'm friends with some and it's like, I've, I've done that before. So that doesn't scare yeah. me. There's stuff in the future. Sure. Yeah. Like maybe if I'm with a billionaire about to like pitch something, you know, yeah. but I've pitched to investors. Yeah. I've done a lot. There's always new stuff where I can feel vulnerable, but right now it's like, I'm not looking at the past. I've learned some good stuff. So I feel yeah confident moving forward does that just sound so cocky i'm not no. like being well i mean you know i was just talking about this with someone earlier today um i i think like i have a real like radical acceptance kind of a view about this podcast and about the artists that i interview and if there's one thing that i want like my listeners to know it's that like every kind of a person is an artist i can i mean as you look at artists every type of person is in there um, and not that like you're a type, you know, but just like anytime you start to think like, oh, this is what an artist is. This is the kind of emotional makeup of an artist. Like you're right and wrong. Like there are going to be people that are that. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just, I just curious, like, well, let, let me tell you actually something that I thought today, which is funny. I did feel vulnerable today. I'm trying to think, cause you just threw the question on me <laughs> and I was like trying to think so hard about like, well, so when do I feel vulnerable? Go ahead. I felt vulnerable today. When I'm pitching a new idea that's a little extreme yeah. to somebody very important, yeah. that it, it rides on my credibility. Yeah. So I, I had my MacBook. I, I created a variation of a movie poster that's, that there's a movie poster my client did wasn't that good. 
And so I recreated one in like 10 minutes. That was, I thought was really good. So it was the moment of truth to turn it around and show them. And I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, by the way, this is just like an idea. Like, don't, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, okay, here it is. Just show it. And I was just sitting there like silent. I was like, are they going to like it? They're not going to like, so I mean, yeah, I feel vulnerable. I'm glad that you said this. Cause I, I feel like what this is like, this is telling like you are vulnerable. This happened today. Yeah. That was today. Like you have kind of learned to just like. Well, yeah, and then, and then I've done that a yeah. lot, and, and so you like, just kind of like if they don't like yeah. it, you're like, all right, whatever. Yeah, and they, I think that's perfect. You know, vulnerability is like fleeting. Yeah. It, it happens in the moment, and then you're like, that's over. It, I mean, cool. literally, look, just really quick. I know we're going yeah. on, but being interviewed on Italian television was probably the most pressure I've ever had in yeah. my life to to perform. Yeah, because it's first of all, it's Italian. Second of all, you can't you can't get nervous and like gulp too much because right. The They'll thing hear is on you. <laughs> yeah. Like the TV, yeah. or you see a big TV screen. It's live. Yeah, it's not like pre-recorded is live. Yeah, the There's whole no nation is watching. It's like being on CNN Live or Good Morning America. Yeah, and it's just you. It's an interview by you. And so, I mean, I remember the moment before. It was so interesting. I bring this up because it was just it was just a change of mindset. I said, I said there is no option to fail. Yeah, like there and literally there is no option to fail because what's the alternative? If yeah. I fail, like if I don't perform, what's going to happen on live TV? Yeah. I'm going to embarrass myself and like all these negative things come, yeah. come in. So I shut that off and I said, you know, I'm not even going to think of the alternative yeah. because there is no other alternative. Yeah. You know, and I think if, if people would think more like that, like there is yeah. no other alternative, yeah. they would perform. They would just do it. You know, I have that experience too. Like I'm have a stomach flu and I have to perform at a wedding. Well, Crazy. it's what's happening. Yeah, I might throw up everywhere. <laughs> all over the bread. It's just what's happening. Um, yeah, I think that's great. That's a great lesson to end on. Okay, so I ask everybody at the very end, what's your dream collaboration? And it doesn't have to be like permanent, just today. What strikes you? My dream collaboration is <clears throat> doing doing a big shoot with like a big photo shoot of... Well, my, mine are like more business related now, but as far as photography and art goes, it would be collaboration with just like a, a really top end celebrity. Like, yeah. Do you want to, do you want to give me a name? Well, just, just an A-list celebrity that's like Chris Hemsworth. He's so hot. Cool. <laughs> okay. Great. Yeah. You like superheroes. Yeah. Like Chris Hemsworth or, or even like Chris Hemsworth's kids or like, you know, yeah. Scarlett Johansson or her yeah. kids or... Robert Downey Jr. like like a big that would be awesome a cool. collab like that cool that's great um, where can people find you on the internet uh, Josh Rossi R O S S I do you have like a specific like website handle no just like, type in Josh Rossi I have and you'll find three all the four things. websites that are just have different stuff sorry about just that Josh Rossi Bears trying to get Josh's water um, great well thank you so much I'm glad we caught you while you're like in the states yeah because you usually live in, in Puerto Rico Puerto right Rico, yeah, yeah. Well, thanks so much for being here. It was great to talk with you. Um, Yeah. Cool. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our music is by Jerem Hansen and artwork by Sarah Keel. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, please send me a note through my website, emvocals.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.